White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards, 2-3, for Robin Ventura. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked on Socks on Twitter, on Instagram. And thank you for making Locked on Socks your first listen every morning. Locked on Socks is free and available on all platforms, including Locked on Socks on YouTube. Go there and subscribe right now. Hit the notifications bell. If you want to leave us a voice message, it is 312-566-8727. Or LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for your emails. Chris, how's your evening? Oh, I'm doing fine. I think you know how my evening was. Long time no see. Um, we, I'm, Been a minute. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty tired, man. That Bears game yesterday. I hate a Bears Monday night football game. I hate a Sunday night football game. I hate a Thursday night football game. I hate them all because we are. What about a Sunday afternoon football game? Oh, I tell you what. Uh, you know what's even better than, than the. I thought I hated the Sunday 325 kick. Um, until we had one not too long ago with the Tampa Bay Bucks playing the Bears. And I got to do shit during the day, and we got to relax a little bit, take care of some chores, smoke a little meat out in the yard. Um, so that I like the 325. The problem is you have to have a, a football team that's good enough to be positioned and put it in that island game, which is not the case for the Bears. So um, the noon game is good. I do feel like it dominates too much of my Sunday. Uh, but I will take it in in comparison to those Monday night games. We are up late watching the Bears and whew, Justin Fields. That's a, that's quite a thing right there. That's a thing. So, that's a real thing. So that's fine. That that's a thing. But other than that, staying up late and then you know you, when you got a kid and uh, maybe you'll find this in due time. Uh, but maybe you know with a dog, you know, dogs got to go out. Kids got to get ready for school no matter what. They don't care if the Bears played the night before. So I'm pretty tired today. Uh, so I've got a little. I've got a little. Uh, salt and pepper and gristle and grime on me today here so we'll see how this goes here but i'm doing great i never asked you how you're doing how are you herb i'm fine i'm the same as always same as it ever was yes exactly that's good that's good to hear i'd be i'd be worried if it weren't that case so a lot of things we're going to get into we still have yet to really get into this deep dive on what rick Hahn said in his press conference on friday and if to see if he left any breadcrumbs for us to follow throughout the course of the offseason but I got to ask you Herb you know the uh what's the first thing you think of uh when you think of the GM meetings uh nothing getting done okay that's that's a good call right there uh, I'd say that or setting up things for the winter meetings that's true I always forget that they are two separate deals I'm like I looked at the thing today I was like GM meeting started today and then I remember wait this can't be it uh, and I had heard hmm. people speculating that, oh, yeah, they're, that they're not going to be a thing because of whatever reason, because of the labor stoppage or whatever. So um, w- the GM meetings are going down. 
And the first thing I think of when I think of the GM meetings is this. Or go to the web, toyota.net. As the GM meetings wrap up in California, questions <laughs> remain about the fate of our two hometown teams. The scores, George Hoffman uh, with the report. The GM meetings. I think of it every damn time, man. Every time I see GM meetings, every time I hear GM meetings, I think of our guy Chris Ranji talking about the GM meetings, which is an entirely different uh, circumstance there. That's different from the winter meetings. Uh, that that's its own weekend. It deserves much longer, uh, in my opinion. But uh, it's going down today uh, in Carlsbad, California. That's where the GMs are are all meeting there. And there's already uh, stuff starting to come out here from Rick Hahn. You know, he's not like Sandy Alderson, who spoke and met with the media already at length. Uh, Rick Hahn kind of the White Sox have always done this for as long as we've been around. Herbie go go under the radar at the uh, winter and, and GM meetings. They they tend to go and. Usually that's where you find out the state of your franchise. Like I remember the first time we found out that the Sox would be sellers uh, and they were not in the business to, to acquire talent. And it's often at, at places and, and events like the GM meetings and the winter meetings. But uh, Vinny Duber wrote a piece today and uh, everyone's talking about Carlos Rodon. And we talked about him at great length yesterday. And by the way, we are we sorry for the uh, tardiness of the episode today, but uh, mm. life happens. Uh, you guys will get your five shows this week, just not uh, in the order, the schedule you're used to getting them. But uh, Carlos Rodon, we talked about a little bit yesterday. Uh, but Rick Hahn uh, gave, he sort of, uh, you know, clarifying uh, the qualifying offer situation or the the lack thereof for a qualifying offer. And uh, Vinny Dober has these quotes from the GM meetings uh, talking about the qualifying offer that was not extended to Carlos. Rickon says, quote, essentially it's a contract offer of $18.4 million for one season. And we made the assessment based on everything we know, which includes our needs and our other targets that that wasn't an offer we were comfortable making at this time. Okay, so there's that. There's the everything we know part. And then later on, we have not ruled out him returning. He knows that. Scott Boris knows that. We'll see how his market unfolds and what the options are for us over the coming months. He was outstanding for us. That specific contract was not offered to him. Doesn't mean we're not interested in potentially finding a way to bring him back. So that's Rick Hahn on Carlos Rodon. We were uh, on our way to dinner after the show tonight, and uh, we were just talking about rumors and projections that were floating around. You had seen an interesting Carlos Rodon number that was floated out there. I forgot who it was, so please clarify. But uh, what was that number that you saw in terms of where Carlos Rodon could possibly end up, just based on pure speculation? Uh, I think it was in the New York Post. Uh, Ken Davidoff is yeah. his name. Um, yeah, he was speculating that the White Sox would re-sign him five years, $75 million, which I think is $15 million annual a- average. So it's less than the 18-4, but it works in the interest of Carlos with the long-term deal, but not in the interest of Jerry Reinsdorf, who famously doesn't like to sign pitchers to long-term deals, especially ones with a history of injuries like Carlos has. Yeah, it, but what was the first thing I said? I remember I said, yeah, I would take that. I'd sign up for that right now, even with the uncertainties of the injury. And again, we preface all Carlos Rodon discussions by saying we don't know what what the the medical records are going to say. You know, they say he has a clean MRI and all that. And, I, you know, in my opinion, I just think it was a guy who was worn down. I don't think there's anything structurally going on there. And let's not 
let the injuries of, of yesteryear cloud our judgment on what's happening and what the player is right now. So yeah, I think I'd I'd sign up for that right now. Five at seventy five. It's not something the Sox would often do, but it provides some cost certainty and it it, it it solidifies your rotation a bit. You wouldn't be counting on him as your number one guy. And I'd be okay with that if it, as long as it meant that you weren't, you know, shutting the door on other options in the starting rotation market. Because I still would like to see them maybe kick the tires on Robbie Ray a little bit. You know, I don't think Robbie Ray's had the Tommy John surgery, so that's troubling to me when you're talking mm-hmm. about acquiring a pitcher because it's so volatile with that. But five for seventy-five for uh, for Rodon. I think I'd sign up for that. I think it's a lot of years, uh, but you're you're, mm-hmm. you're saving a little bit annually. But I'd sign up for that. I think. Yeah, and I mean, take it with a grain of salt. The Davidoff piece also has Nick Castiano signed a five-year, eighty-five million dollar deal with the Guardians. I was going to say the Indians, no longer that anymore. That's okay. Rick Hahn called him the Indians the other day, so that you're okay. you're okay. At least unless unless he was referring to <laughs> uh, the twenty twenty one version, which is still he'd be correct by saying Indians. So, uh, but yeah, it's I don't think anyone's ever going to. Did I hear that there was already issues? Like, yeah, that, some, with the there's name. a roller dermer derby team called the Cleveland Guardians <laughs> that's already like established and got a, like a trademark or something like that oh those so are important no one checked of course they didn't uh they're too busy uh with, with their pitch labs and uh, <laughs> you know uh, but yeah that that's wild uh so uh more uh more info on that as the offseason rolls on and what the Cleveland baseball team is going to be called uh but yeah I think you know that's just a speculation just a rumor but, you know, Rick Hahn was also on with the cap and our guy Jay Hood the other day talking about Rodon and there's there's already been a text dialogue back and forth. So I definitely think that they're going to revisit this. And uh, you, it's possible that you have not seen the last of Carlos Rodon in a White Sox uniform. But if the price isn't right, uh, I'm cool with them moving on. But w- under the guise of, hey, get somebody that's that's going to fill those, those five wins above replacement. So uh, we're going to take a quick time out and we'll finally hear on the other side what our GM thought of the untimely exit from the postseason. We'll get to that next here on Locked on White Sox. And Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. You know, folks, they're back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of basketball season and even more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Not only those sports, they've got every single sport you can imagine. They still have some baseball stuff you can bet on. The Cy Young Award winner is going to be announced in a couple weeks, and our guy Lance Lynn is in the final uh, three in the running for Cy Young. They've got Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn in the American League, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, and Max Scherzer in the National League. You can uh, make a wager on who's going to win the Cy Young, and you know I think all signs point to Robbie Ray, who's at minus fifteen hundred. Garrett Cole from the Yankees is plus plus five fifty. But if you want to, you know, put your uh, put your eggs in the Lance Lynn Lose basket, your money. Yes. <laughs> you can do that, man. You could you can uh, have all sorts of fun at Bet Online. Uh, plus thirty three hundred for Lance Lynn. So you know that's a that's a play you can make, and you know they they've got all sorts of futures here for these postseason awards. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year. Randy Arozarena, who's going to be a rookie forever, uh, he's Ever. at minus two seventy five. Wander Franco's up there plus two hundred, and Luis Garcia plus sixteen hundred. And the National League, Jonathan India, Trevor Rogers, Dylan Carlson, all there. 
uh, as well. So if you want to make a wager on some of these postseason awards, they're all right there for you at Bet Online. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, postseason, and awards, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I mentioned Rick Hahn finally spoke to the media. We're going to finally get into the, the meat and potatoes here of what Rick Hahn had to say. First and foremost, the, these are things that, that Herb and I have sort of uh, handpicked, that things that are pertinent, things that we want to know, answers, and we want to know how our GM feels about them. So first and foremost, what did Rick Hahn feel about this untimely exit from the postseason? I mean, look, I think we anticipated the pitching quite hitting the wall that it seemingly hit at that time. Take nothing away from the Astros. Like they were a very strong club. They were playing fantastic baseball early in the early and midway through the the postseason. Obviously, why they won the pennant, uh, and they were better than us for those four days. They beat us, and they, so none of this takes anything away from them. Uh, I don't. I, I obviously we expected the the pitching to be stronger than than what we saw. Uh, you know, from the the top part of our order. Uh, we got a fair amount of hits, not a lot of extra base hits. We didn't see a lot of power, which was something that had that had been a characteristic over the course of the regular season when that group was together. It just wasn't over the course of those four days. Um, so, again, that's frustrating, but that's baseball. Yep, that's right, Rick Hahn. That is baseball. That's what people say. I, you know, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. That's pretty much what we've been saying. It's a rational thought, and it goes along with what, how I felt about this team. Is sometimes you know you are you surrender yourself to the gods of variance, as I said many times before, and they played their worst brand of baseball in a four day stretch. It just happened to be in the postseason, and I don't think it's any kind of uh, indictment on the team or the way it was built. We certainly can nitpick at that in a little bit, but uh, that was a completely logical and measured, I think, response to his team's exit from Recon. What do you think? Yeah. Um... I just think that there were signs to point that the White Sox were on that level. Okay. And and I'm I mean, we were all surprised to how good Houston was. Like they dominated that series. Even in game three, they dominated a portion of that game. And I'm just like, yeah, it's sad that we played poorly in those four games. But it's like, ah oh my God. I don't know what I want from him. You know, it's unfair for me to put my feelings onto him and him to say something untoward. It's been a month, so maybe he's cooled down. Maybe he's fine. And sometimes you're going to lose games in a series. You know, the World Series champion is the Atlanta Braves. That tells you all you need to know. A team that was a middling team that was down to the NL East teams like the Mets and the Phillies most of the year, and then they got hotter and shit, won the World Series. So, yes. It's a crapshoot when you get in the playoffs, but also there were some things left like unturned. You know, we've talked about it. Leary playing right, starting all four games. It's not an ideal situation. I would love for that to be fixed. Leary could be on the team if he wants to. If they want him to be back, cool. Never starting in a playoff game ever again. Yeah. Because we have much better players. That's what I'm feeling like. We played our hardest and we lost and that's fine to lose 
because sometimes teams are going to be better. But let's put ourselves in the best position next time when we have the opportunity, because it's not a stair step thing. I think he said that in the last uh, thing. You don't just, okay, ALDS, then it's ALCS, then it's World Series. You could just win it. You don't need to do the steps. Just win it next year and make sure you do it in this offseason. So you leave no stone unturned. And then, like the Braves did, Acquire some people at the trade deadline if you need to supplement the roster if one of your big-time stars goes out for the year. So, um, furthermore, on that Astros series, their pitching coach Brent Strom had some things to say about the White Sox. And I didn't know about these quotes until uh, this press conference, but they brought it to Rick Hahn's attention. And it goes sort of along the lines of what you are saying. And before we get to it, I would say Rick Hahn, I would think, wants to construct his team in a way where Leary Garcia is not getting meaningful playing time in the postseason. I know there were some injuries and things like that and matchup issues you had, but I think he wants to assure that that doesn't happen again. So uh, here's uh, Rick Hahn when asked about the Astros pitching coach in terms of uh, maybe the White Sox were a little uh, easy to game plan for. You know, Brent Strom mentioned that he thought the Sox were a little bit easier to prepare for. He said this than, let's say, the Rays. I think the, the team he used, are, are you going to be seeking a little bit more balance I think that's that's what he he was getting at. I didn't I didn't hear his comments, so can't really speak to him. Well, he was saying they're a pretty right-handed team, and if, you know maybe if you get that slugging percentage in the playoffs from your righties, that's what he was referring to. Yeah, look the, as as mentioned, the right-handed bats at the top for those four games did not produce the power that they had over the course of the summer. Uh, I think the batting average is pretty decent, but I think the slugging was actually the same as the batting average because it's all singles, which obviously was uh, made it a little more difficult to score runs over those four days. Um, we were always looking at ways to make this lineup deeper and more difficult for a post to navigate. Um, I don't think uh, you know the right-handed bats, whether it was Aloy, Brayu, or Tim Anderson. Uh, towards the top of that order, Luis Robert, uh, were are in any way, shape, or form of an, an issue going forward. Uh, and each of them are capable of playing big roles on a championship club. And there's, they're backing up the truck there. So I ask you, Herb, do you think there's an inherent problem with the way this roster, you know, they're full – realization of what they want this roster to be, what we thought it was going to be heading into opening day. Let's say everyone's healthy. Is there a, a, a structural problem here? Like, is this thing rotted from the inside out, the way they've got this thing built? You know, you're, you're holding it up to the Astro standard, which should be the standard you, you have, but that's a, a unique team. Most teams don't have that type of right, righty lefty, uh, you know, presence in their lineup. Like when you have a Michael Brantley, uh, right, like you know, one of the best left-handed hitters in all the game. You know, one of the best contact guys in all the game, and of course, mm-hmm. they're their their right fielder who who killed the White Sox, Tucker from the left side. And you know, not not all teams have those luxuries, which is why the Astros were in the World Series again. But do you think is there's a problem here with with balance or any way this roster is constructed, at least from an offensive standpoint? Because we've we've done many shows on why we felt this is one of the best offenses in all of baseball. Um, so do you think there's an inherent problem with the way this thing's built and ultimately are you worried that this is going to happen again in the postseason next year? No, um, I'm not too worried. I mean, I don't too much care for handedness. Like, I don't like getting left-handers on the team because they hit from the left side. It's 
I think mostly why we got Adam Eaton on the team. He happened to be left-handed. We have familiarity with him. Give me a person that can hit. I'll put him in the lineup, right, or left-handed. And I understand that people think that, you know, if you switch it up, and we have enough. I think when you have two, like we do in our middle of our lineup with Moncada and Grandal, and if we go with the uh, Gavin Sheets as our DH, we get three. That's more than enough. All above average hitters, too, when they're hitting from the left side of the of the uh, plate. I think just give me good players. And I don't think inherently the White Sox lineup is a problem. Now, I would like Mancada and Grandal to hit earlier in the lineup just because they're on base capabilities. But if Luis Roberts going to be the guy that showed up after the injury, bump all that, that guy has to be two or three. And then one of those other guys be in front of him or behind him. Because if we're seeing the growth of Luis Robert, where he strikes out a little bit, hits for power, gets on base, will take his walks, baby, he's going to be a monster. We're coming into that monster time right now with him. So give me a guy that can hit from either side of the field, right, right-handed, left-handed, plays right field or second base, I'm fine. I don't need to seek out that left-handed person. If we find one, if, say, Freddie Freeman wants to come here, and he's like, you know what, I only want a DH, we'll accept him. <laughs> right. Uh, for, play first base, and then we tell Hose, hey, get your ass to DH. Back with more Locked on White Sox right after this. Uh, let's squeeze this last one in here from Rick Hahn. You mentioned right field. That's going to be uh, one of the biggest areas of concern for us. We talked about it already, how we would love to have Nick Castellanos. That's a guy who – you know, diversifies your lineup a little bit and what he brings to the table offensively. Uh, here's Rick Hahn's take uh, on whether or not right field is actually a need or not this offseason. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I don't – let's put it this way. I feel very bullish on the futures of both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. Uh certainly envision them playing significant roles on multiple White Sox clubs going forward. Uh, spend some time over the course of the next few months figuring out what's the best fit for them in 22. Uh, certainly, you know, there could be DH possibilities for them. There could be right field possibilities for them. Uh, certainly, you know, they're both natural. First, we've seen what, what, uh, how quickly Andrew acclimated to, to left field. So they provide us with good op internal options and they provide us with some flexibility and frankly so it's, it's too early to say exactly how they're going to be deployed come come 22. and then a follow-up to that i was listening to his interview with cap and hood the other day on espn don't tell anyone else listening to that um uh, they're our rivals we're not allowed to talk to them or listen to them uh, whatsoever um they they were you know asked rick Hahn if if those options at right field at second base uh, are available to them internally and uh, it sounded like, uh, you know, Rick Hahn was uh, very much open to the uh, the concept of just filling those holes internally. He mentioned uh, Romy Gonzalez at second base and Danny Mendick at second base and, you know, possibly having Gavin Sheets out there at a, on a full-time basis. So I don't know if he believes those things, you know, but he just wants to pump up his own guys. That That's fine. But I would say... Uh, right now, I mean, right behind starting pitcher, I think right field is the, is the biggest need this team could have. And I, and I appreciate the fact that he's high in his young guys because there's other GMs out there listening. And I, I do think Andrew Vaughn's going to be a good player for a long time. Sheets, we don't really know so much there. But, yeah, man, I, I, I would say, uh, you know, the way – 
the way I feel about this team in 2022, uh, I, I, how optimistic am I, am I going to be about this team in 2022? Tell me what they did to address the black hole in, in right field. I think that's how I'm going to judge this team going forward here. Uh, there's there's no bigger weakness in my opinion. Second base, you could probably make work. You know, you can you could sign a guy like Jose Iglesias, like we talked about, for a bargain basement price, and you know the defense is going to be solid. But to have a, a right-handed stick out there and really lengthen that lineup of yours, that's going to be uh, one of the biggest things in this offseason. And uh, I think it's something we're going to be following all offseason long here. And, it, you know, the, the, there can't be an internal option, in, in my opinion, there. I, I don't think the Gavin Sheets thing will work, and I certainly wouldn't bet my future on it if I was Rick Hahn, and I wouldn't. Uh, sacrifice a championship a year in the championship window because I felt like I could get by uh, with Gavin Sheets. So, what do you think uh, about this right field thing? I know this is one of your big, uh, you know, uh, points of emphasis for you as well. It would just signal to me that they're serious about winning if they go out and I don't necessarily even need them to get the guy. I need to be seriously, you know, because it's that guy's choice. You know, they can offer anything they want. The Zach Wheeler situation where they offered more, I think a million more than what Philly offered. He chose because his wife likes the East Coast a little bit more than Chicago to stay out there in Philadelphia. So just give me a good college try where you're offering real money, market value money, like they did with Zach Wheeler. And if they fail, I'll still get on them because the process is getting the player, but a good effort towards that with good money and good years, I can't too much fault them, but I can't go into next year and them just saying Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn without trying to improve that with some uncertainty there. You don't know what's going to happen to those guys. We saw all the White Sox in their second year pretty much has some struggles like they fall off people readjust to what they're they've been doing in their rookie year so both of these guys coming back would be their second years and i'm not too geek to give them the keys and uh, either a platoon role or them being just named the starter like andrew vaughn you get 130 games and gavin will give you 30 out there for yourself and then all the rest will be the dh bats I can't go into the season just with that. It'd just be like, ah, I don't need that position specifically where you're supposed to have some power to be another year of being a dearth of power. Same thing with designated hitter. We need to fix both of those and we can fix one of them. Like if Gavin Sheets and they say, hey, Gavin Sheets will be our designated hitter for this year for most of the bats. I wouldn't like it, but I would like it much more than him, them saying that it's either him or uh, Vaughn in right field. So go out and find one. Go out and trade for one. Let me hear the rumors, at least. But if we are sitting here and baseball resuming in late March, early April, and it's one of those two, I'm like, that's not that's not the way to do it, guys. No, it's the cheap way to do it. I don't think so either. Um, you know, typically this could be just anecdotal, but when when teams are in their World Series window and they know they have a real shot, you don't often see them getting younger, adding young players to their mix. You know what I mean? Like, yes, young players can get better, and I and I and I am fully aware that Gavin Sheets is not actually getting younger next year. But when, <laughs> when you're trying to take that next step, you want guys that have been there, done that. You know, if you if you're trying to figure out, man. 
what is this team missing? You know, it's almost always a little veteran presence, guys that are not uh, afraid of the moment. And I'm not saying Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn were afraid of the moment. I think they got some good experience. We saw what Gavin Sheets did, uh, you know, in that big home run uh, in, in mm-hmm. game uh, four uh, there. And, you know, but typically you, you want a veteran presence and, and a guy who's wants a little, little something extra, a guy wants to win and a guy who's has the pedigree and is maybe have a, has a couple of all-star appearances under his belt and, and a guy who just is competent out there and you know that he's going to live up to at least a floor and you're not hoping that a guy reaches a ceiling but instead you know what the floor is going to be and I think that's what good teams do and you know the Sox are not the Rays they can't just bring someone up younger and cheaper and that player will be better that's just not how they operate that's not how most teams operate because most teams aren't the Rays and say what you want about them where's their World Series yeah they don't have one so so, you know, I, I, the Sox, it would be it would behoove them to be aggressive in this, uh, you know, a, you know, right field market. Now, maybe they won't be allowed to be aggressive because of the way this market's going to play out. But I think uh, that's one of the number one needs here. And uh, hopefully that gets addressed here uh, in, in due time before we uh, these this team breaks for camp. So. Uh, that's all I got today, Herbie. Uh, tomorrow we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got Rick Hahn still uh, more stuff to get into. You talk about the DH thing, and my plan was going to have uh, Grandal maybe move to the DH and get a, a veteran defensive-minded catcher. Rickon spoke at length about the catcher situation, spoke about the uh, spoke about the White Sox budget. We still have to get to the rotation. Lucas Giolito is open to a contract extension. We have Rickon cursing. Uh, we'll get to that right now. Sometimes, sh- excuse me, sometimes stuff just happens. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Tegna, on Rickon's behalf. Uh, we've got anecdotes. We got thoughts on what happened at the trade deadline. Would Rickon do things uh, differently? Uh, you know, what happened to the power production? We still have a lot of stuff to get into uh, before we finish the week here on Locked on White Sox. But uh, that's all I got today, Irby. That is Chris Tannehill. You can follow him on Twitter. It is at Chris Tannehill, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23, and the show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. Locked On Socks is free and available on all platforms, including Locked On Socks on YouTube. So for Chris, my name is Herb. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Locked On Socks.